psychotic geeks obsessed with every little detail. It'll never get on the air. Well, I think it's good for a show to go off the air before it becomes stale and repetitive. I've just been informed that we are going off the air. Off air with Emily and Catherine. No, actually, that's the correct sensation. Sensational. Yeah, it was attractive. <sighs> Get that cough out. Ooh. You like that? I did like that. Very good. Yeah, I did. I can't hear. How about now? Yeah. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's, That's what I get funny. for being obnoxious. Oh, wait. So they, like, know me at Arby's now. Yeah. Yeah. Do we normally have the lights off in here? Is it just extra bright? It's extra bright, dude. I don't... It's not because the sun's out, because that doesn't ever really do much. The but... blinds are open. Ah. Uh, I'm going to close them. I was like, it's, like, extra bright in here. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's yeah, better. That's it. Right? That's, that's it. <laughs> I was like, it's, like, extra bright. Ah. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Yes. Okay, so okay. they know you at Arby's. Yeah. So they know me at Arby's now. So they're all super nice to me. And I feel bad Good. because I always am using that free card. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I need to get a free sandwich because I'm hungry. Yeah. See? You sure you don't just want half? It's already cut in half. You would be helping the sister out. I mean, if you're not going to—I won't eat it right now, but I'll yeah, save it. Yeah, you want to take it home? Okay, Yeah, go. I'll save I'll it. I'll eat half, it in the car. <laughs> and then I'll give you the paper. Okay, deal. I'll eat it in the car. Good. Thanks. Hey, you're totally welcome. Hold on, let me. This is nice. Get the crumples out. Yeah, get all the crinkle business going. Get my snot snork <laughs> out of the way. Snot snork. <laughs> oh, my All right. Word. Hey. Hello. Hi. It's another episode of Off Air with Emily and Patra. I'm Emily. I'm Patra. And we're back. It is February. Almost Valentine's Day. <gasps> Ooh. Are we going to do another one this week? <gasps> should we gift them a Valentine's Day gift? We should, because I completely... Me too! ...fucking forgot. Jilted lovers. Yeah, I completely fucking forgot. Okay, mm. so guess what? You're going to get a Valentine's <laughs> Day episode. <laughs> we totally had this planned. It didn't just now Yeah, no, it. not at all. So... Um, an apple. <laughs> I completely <laughs> forgot. Me too. Totally spaced it. Until oh, just now. Yeah. Until literally just now. Until And I wouldn't have even clicked it until you said something about it. Mm. Yeah. Shit. What are you doing for Christopher Valentine's Day? Christopher. Nothing. <laughs> God. <laughs> Making him go see Cher with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I'm not really doing anything for him. We don't really do anything for Valentine's Day. That's cool. That and I bought him a trip to Vegas, so that's his Valentine's Day, oh his birthday, <laughs> all in one. For like the next four years, you're gonna be like, "Remember when I bought you that trip to Vegas on your deathbed?" Yeah, <laughs> be like, "Remember that trip to Vegas that I bought for you?" You'll forget like his, like your fiftieth wedding anniversary to get him a present. You'll be like, "Yeah, but I sent you to Vegas." Yeah, <laughs> I sent you to <laughs> Vegas for your twenty fifth birthday. You're fine. Oh God. <coughs> yeah, so we don't ever really do anything for Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. But that's fine. I don't I don't need to. I know he loves me. Aw, that's cute. <laughs> Hopefully he knows I love him too. <laughs> Very nice. I'll be working, but I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Karaoke. Yeah. Love song karaoke on Valentine's Day. If Cher wasn't performing that night, I'd come hang out with you and do karaoke. But Cher is performing. So right. Priorities. <laughs> I mean, <clears throat> Emily right. doesn't feel well. No. 
I feel like shiitake mushrooms. Oh, God, you're so cute. I feel like crap. Hey, I guess, lost, sorry. No, you're fine. You lost what? I lost my voice again. So, like, when we started yes. this whole podcast thing, oh I my lost gosh, my voice. that's right. Hey, that's and cool. I like that. I lost my voice again. Just for a day this, well, two days technically yeah, this time. Yeah, not a day. Two days. And, but now this time, you, last time, I felt fine. I just I just lost my voice. It didn't sound good. Mm-hmm. But this time, I don't feel good either. Wednesday, <laughs> I could see a like a drastic difference in how you, how you felt from when I started the show and then when I ended the morning show. Like in yeah. those three and a half hours, I was like, oof, homegirl does not feel good. Yeah, like, no, it was rough. It. Yeah. it was rough. Um, so, okay, so I was at FXB. Yeah. It was a tough class. Yeah. But I feel very strong or whatever. Um, I just, or whatever. Or whatever. Uh, and then I went to Kroger, and when I was at Kroger, I saw a boy that I had in aftercare <gasps> when I worked at school, and he's as tall as me. No. Yes. Oh, and I was no. like, Andy, oh my God. You were like, give no, me a stop. Hug. I know. Oh. I was like, how'd you get, and he's a very sweet boy, and I was like, how did you get as tall as me? And he was like, well, it didn't take very long. And I was like, oh, okay, all right, fifth grade, okay. But it was so nice to run into him. Yeah, I love it. I kind of miss being at the school all the time. Yeah, but I feel that. Like, working here is stressful sometimes because there's so much going on, and it's a much bigger scale. Yeah. But um, that stress kind of stops when you leave. You know what I mean? Yeah. It did not stop. The stress did not stop when you left the school. You're worried about, you know, every kid ever. So at least that's different. And I, I, you know, I'm still worried about kids. Stupid. It's all right. But look at me eating semi-healthy. I know you are. You're eating an apple and a turkey sandwich. Yeah. That apple was $2. That apple was freaking huge. It's so good. It sounds good. It's nice and crispy, juicy. It's a honey crisp. Uh, I knew it was going to be expensive, but I was like, I don't treat yourself. Treat yourself. Good for you, Patrick Jones. (laughs) (laughs) You love Mm that, Bob. Good for you, Patrick Jones. Getting it. Oh, boy. So, who? Do you have an update? A life update? Like that you're going to go visit your mom? Oh. (laughs) And, And whose birthday it is this weekend? Okay, it was last weekend. It was Groundhog Day, remember? Oh, shit. That's right. But we're going to celebrate Grandpa's birthday tomorrow, which, well, okay, Saturday. I wish I'd gotten him a present or brought cookies <laughs> or something. <laughs> I'll just tell him. He'll think, okay. that, he'll think that's the best part. Okay. But Grandpa's birthday was on Groundhog Day, and we're going to celebrate tomorrow, which is two days ago for you guys. Mm-hmm. I'm on Saturday. I'm going to see my mama today after work. It's Friday when mm-hmm. we're recording. <laughs> so I'm going to see my mama today after work, and... Spend time with her. It'll be fun. It will be fun. So what are you going to do to celebrate Grandpa's birthday? To be honest, I don't know. I don't know if we'll go somewhere or if Mom and Dominic are making something. Mm -hmm. Okay. We'll probably just hang out. Ultimately, we're just going to, like, hang out, whether that's at a restaurant or at their house eating. We'll eat something. Talking and eating is the best way to celebrate anything. Yeah. Just talking and eating. I bet my mom made banana bread for my grandpa because that's his favorite. Oh. Or oatmeal cookies. Ah! Or both. She might have made both. I love your whole family. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> My mom said earlier today, she said, you still coming to see me? And I said, no, I don't like you. And she <laughs> goes, okay, Vini. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Her favorite emoji to send me is the middle finger emoji. She flips me off 
all the time. I love that. <laughs> okay, so your and your mom's relationship reminds me of mine and my daughter's relationship. So I'm going to pull up this text. Yeah. She sent me Wednesday at 11.15. Can I get some nuggies after school? I have money. Because she knows my response is going to be, do you have nugget money? <laughs> um, and then I didn't reply because I was, I don't know, working or something. And at 11.45, she said, Madre, please, I need nuggies. <laughs> and I said, LOL, yes, babe, at 12.20. So it had been like a, over an hour. Yeah. LOL, yes, babe, of course you can. Sorry it took so long to answer. Do you still love me? And then she didn't answer for like 10 minutes, and I sent back, do you, in all caps. <laughs> she said, I still love you, kind of. Yep. That's, that's it. That's and then my that's mom it. and I. Yeah, I love it. She did get her nuggies, and of course I bought them. Yeah. I mean, what kind of mother would you be? Right. If you did it? Of course, I bought her nuggets, but yeah. I just have to. That's what I call Yoda, nugget. Nugget. Call him a chicken nugget oh or nuggy. Nuggy. Like, yeah, call him a nuggy. Man, I need to find that Yoda hat for you. When I get his attention, I'm like nuggy. nuggy. Yeah, he's You're my cute. chicken nugget. You little cute thing. <sighs> I burned 560 calories. Dang, girl. At class today. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Good job. I had like sweat sitting in like creases on my face. Yeah. Yeah. It was gross. Sweat in the places you didn't know could sweat. Mm. Yes. Wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> my God. <laughs> Am I being murdered or seduced? Maybe. <laughs> Off air with Emily and Patra. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's it. I don't think anything except Danielle, my best friend, yes. left for uh, boot camp in the Air Force on Tuesday. Danielle, what's the thing that they shout? Do they shout? I don't, I don't know what the Air Force are says. They too, are they too, like, responsible and, like, normal to just have some weird Maybe. thing to shout? Let's look Let's it up look. real quick. I mean, not that Marines or whatever aren't responsible and normal, but they do all shout stuff. So okay. I'm just going to munch the fuck out of this apple real quick. Yeah, that's fine. Crash course in military jargon. <laughs> Me. It says HUA. It's oh. usually the Army, but the Air Force sort of borrowed it because they often work with the Army. Yeah, don't they all do work together? Yeah, ultimately. But yeah, she is in the Air Force Reserves. She went to San Antonio, Texas to the base that's there. I don't remember what it's called. Mm -hmm. Fort um, Air Force. Fort Air Force. <laughs> I could tell you. Um, Fort Danielle. Fort Danielle, yeah. That's what it's going to be named. What's up? Word to your mama. So we went and had dinner Monday night. Mm -hmm. And I am her power of attorney while she's gone. So I'm handling all of her bills and basically just her responsible life back here in Indianapolis. You're such a good person and friend. I love and, that. And... Um, so Tuesday night we had to like go through all the paperwork and all that stuff mm -hmm. and figure, figure out logins and all that shit. And we did that Monday night and we went and had dinner and then, <coughs> and then on Tuesday she left for the airport in the morning and then we did like one final FaceTime Tuesday afternoon, mm -hmm. like when she landed in, in Texas Aww. and it was really emotional and I cried and she cried. We both cried Monday night too, but mm -hmm. she she was more upset on Tuesday because I think it like reality hit and she yeah. was scared. Yeah. And I was like, you're going to do great. It'll be awesome. I didn't cry on FaceTime because I didn't want to make her more upset, but I cried when I hung up and I was like, oh, I'm going to 
And then, um, so yeah, she left and she is there. She graduates basic on April 5th. And then she has tech school from April to the end of June. So I won't see her until the end of June. Are you think, do you think you'd be able to like go watch her graduate? Probably not since you have a trip already scheduled. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Probably not. I would like to, but I don't know that I'll be able to. Mm-hmm. But that's okay. That is okay. I'll be here. I decided, like, I don't know, an hour ago that I was going to do, like, a daily update for her mm. and write it in a little notebook. So I made a little notebook out there with one of the ones, spare ones that I had that I'm gonna just going to put, like, a, like a what did you miss today for uh. her when she comes back. Because she's, like, she's really worried when she comes back how different things are going to be. And I'm like, that's a real thing. Yeah. I'm like, it's not going to be that bad that you think it will because, I mean, she's only gone for a couple months. I mean, you're going to replace her in your life with a new best friend. (laughs) Yeah, obviously. (laughs) Other than that, everything will be the same. Don't worry, Danielle. Yeah. (laughs) So so she's gone to Texas and it's like, it's really weird because we... I don't know. I Mm -hmm. just, I don't have any Instagram direct messages from her. And oh, like no just memes. random texts and it's like, ah. <laughs> but it's okay. I'm doing okay. Good. We're getting there. You you seem fine. Yeah. For now. <laughs> Until I get real lonely in a couple weeks. And oh like, my oh, God. No. My poor baby. <sighs> but I got her address today so I could send her letters. Awesome. So um, that'll be good. If you ever want to sneak something to her, the best way to do it is to hide it in the toe of socks and roll the socks up and send her socks. Oh. Yeah. Interesting. But I don't know. that My my experience, when my husband was in basic training, it was uh, 20 years ago. Yeah. Almost. So, I mean, shit could be way different. Yeah. As far as I know, we can't send packages or food or anything. We could only send yeah, letters. Yeah, you couldn't fin- send food, but you could send, I remember sending, um, oh my God, this is going to age me horribly. I remember sending a cassette tape. Nice. Of like chit chat. Yeah. For them, for him to listen to. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Insanity. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah. She said, <laughs> when she gets back, she said, have my cupboards fully stocked because they can't, you know, they can't eat junk food yeah. while they're there. So she's like, when she comes back, she's going to want some Cheetos and some Doritos oh. and gummy bears and all this oh. stuff. And uh, her boyfriend and I were like, we'll have your, we'll have you completely stocked. Don't, Don't worry. worry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, How cute. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's it. That's all that's going on. See, my best have... friend left me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Her voice left. Her best friend left. Yeah. Wow. Abandonment. Goodness. It's fine. By the way, I quit. Today's my last day. No. <laughs> You're not leaving me either. Ew. Too. Could you imagine? They would just make you do my stuff. They would, too. I'd be like, no. Forget about oh, it. Oh, gosh. Forget about it. Forget about it. All right. You okay. want to talk about Subverter? Yeah. Who's going first? Who went first last time? Why don't we ever remember? I don't freaking know. I feel like it might have been you. Yeah. Mine was the True East murders last week. Yes, I did go first. Okay. Because someone was like, why is this called the Lion King? (laughs) And I was like, just wait. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Oh, goodness. All right. I could always also look on on our Instagram off air CP. Oh, shit. Okay. Because uh, I always, yeah, because I post it in order, the pictures in order. So, yes, I did go first last time. Okay. Well, 
<laughs> Sorry, everybody. <coughs> I have to show... Okay, when you're ready to see this picture, I just can't wait for you to see one of these gentlemen. <clears throat> okay. So when we're... I'm just going to show you now. Are you, are you ready? Okay. Uh, so... <laughs> nervous. The one on the left. I, I don't even need to say that because you're going to know exactly which one I'm talking about. Okay. Nope. Stop ah! it. <laughs> got a very nice unibrow. I mean, those eyebrows. Oh. The other guy's kind of cute. Kind of cute, right? Yeah. Goodness. Anyway. Until I find out what he did. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So mine's super famous. Okay. Um, I mean, kind of, I guess. It, it was it was recognizable to me. How's okay. that? All right. Which could be super famous or not. Um, <laughs> let me. Okay. Is that better? Can you hear me? Is that fine? Yeah, I can okay. hear you. Nathan Leopold Jr. and Richard Loeb were two wealthy students at the University of Chicago who in May of 1924 kidnapped and murdered 14-year-old Bobby Franks in Chicago. So... It's Leopold, Leopold and Loeb. Okay. You've heard that. It sounds familiar, yeah. yeah. They committed the murder characterized at the time as the crime of the century. Um, they, back in, like, the 20s, everything was the something of the century. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah, so whatever. That's because the century was only 20 years old. Get it together, <laughs> you guys. Uh, it was the crime of the century, and it's only been 20 years. As a demonstration of their perceived intellectual superiority, which they thought rendered them capable of carrying out a perfect crime and would absolve them of responsibility for their actions. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. The two young men grew up with their respective families in the affluent Kenwood neighborhood on Chicago's south side. The Loeb's owned a mansion in Kenwood two blocks from the Leopold home. Okay. Though Leopold and Loeb knew each other casually while growing up, their relationship flourished at the University of Chicago, particularly after they discovered a mutual interest in crime. Oh, my God, that's us. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Leopold was particularly fascinated by Frederick Nietzsche's concept of supermen. Okay, so my True East story kind of led me to this because they were also interested. One of them, Uh um, Atif. Okay. Was also interested in this. And that's what, there was a little bit of his trial that, that went there with it. Huh. Or Ubermenschen. <laughs> and I just love that word. <laughs> Transcendent individuals possessing extraordinary and unusual capabilities whose superior intellects allowed them to rise above the laws and rules that bound the unimportant average populace. Okay. I know. I already hate both of them. Yes. Yeah, they're like rich and think they're better than everybody else. Eat my ass. Uh, Leopold believed that he was one of these individuals, and as such, by his interpretation of Nietzsche's doctrines, he was not bound by any of society's normal ethics or rules. Before long, he convinced Loeb that he, too, was an ubermensch. I want to be an ubermensch. We both are. Fuck those guys. (laughs) Anyway, the pair began asserting their perceived immunity from the law with acts of petty theft and vandalism, breaking into a fraternity house at the university they stole, that's so 1920s, they stole pen knives, a camera, and a typewriter that was later used to type their ransom note. Oh. Yeah. They progressed to a series of more serious crimes, including arson, but they were disappointed when av- there was an absence of media coverage of their crimes 
No one paid any attention or cared about their crimes, basically. Uh And they decided to plan and execute a sensational, perfect crime that would get public attention and confirm their self-proclaimed status as supermen. Sensational. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Okay. Leopold, then 19 years old, and Loeb, 18, settled on the kidnapping and murder of an adolescent as their perfect crime. After a lengthy search for a suitable victim, they decided on Robert Bobby Franks, the 14-year-old son of wealthy Chicago watch manufacturer Jacob Franks. Loeb knew Bobby Franks well because he was a second cousin and lived across the street, and he had played tennis at the Loeb residence several times. Come over to my house and play tennis on my tennis court. (laughs) Anyway. On the afternoon of May 21, 1924, using an automobile that Leopold had rented under the name Morton Ballard, they offered Franks a ride as he walked home from school. Um, Bobby initially refused because he was two blocks away from where he was going, but Loeb persuaded him to enter the car to talk about a tennis racket that they had been using. Once again, super 1920s, I feel. Yeah. Get in. I want to show you this new tennis racket. (laughs) Okay, you rich-ass 1920s dude. (laughs) Anyway, it worked, and he got in the car. The precise sequence of events that followed is still in dispute, um, but mainly people believe that Leopold was behind the car and Loeb was in the backseat. Okay. So Loeb, in the backseat, struck Frank's sitting in front of him in the passenger seat several times in the head with a chisel, Ugh. then dragged him into the back seat where he where they gagged him, and then he died. Oh. With the body on the floorboard out of view, they drove to their predetermined dumping spot near Wolf Lake in Hammond, Indiana. I know where that's at. Uh, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> Hammond, Indiana. That, oh. Yeah, I underlined it. <laughs> 25 miles south of Chicago. After nightfall, they removed and discarded Frank's clothes, then concealed the body in a culvert along the Pennsylvania Railroad tracks north of the lake. To obscure the body's identification, 1920 style, they poured hydrochloric acid on his face and on a distinctive abdominal scar. Smart, right? Yeah, that is is smart. smart. As well as his genitals to conceal the fact that he was circumcised. Dang. That's pretty smart. They thought that through. Yeah. Um, By the time the two men returned to Chicago, word had already spread that Franks was missing. Leopold called Franks' mother, identifying himself as George Johnson, okay, and told her that Franks had been kidnapped. Instructions for delivering the ransom would follow. After mailing the typed ransom note, burning their bloodstained clothing, and cleaning the bloodstains from the rented vehicle's upholstery as best they could, they spent the remainder of the evening playing cards. Okay, casual. Just chilling. Once the Franks family received the ransom note the following morning, Leopold called a second time and dictated the first set of ransom payment instructions. It was like a big, ridiculous, like go through all these, jump through all these hoops. I'm trying to say, I almost said go through all these loops. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I got it. (laughs) Okay. The intricate plan stalled almost immediately when a nervous family member forgot the address of the store where he was supposed to receive the next set of directions. B. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. And it was abandoned entirely when word came that a man named Tony Minky had found the boy's body. Yeah, you just put it in a culvert in Indiana. Yeah. I mean— Okay, there's a lot of culverts in Indiana, but there's also a lot of, like, old men and, like, 
I mean, you go home on country roads, right? You yeah. drive on country roads. You see those old guys in, like, their heavy flannel jackets walking for, like, seven miles a day because their doctor told them it was healthy or something. Yep. Just looking. Yep. I feel like you can't put anything in a culvert, you guys. <laughs> you can't put anything it's anywhere in Indiana. <laughs> it's going to get God. It's gonna, they're going to get it. Anyway. Their kidnapping ruse exposed, Leopold and Loeb destroyed the stolen typewriter and burned a robe used to move the body. <clears throat> Convinced that they had done everything they could to hide their tracks, they went about their their lives as usual. Just, I don't know, <laughs> playing tennis and being fucking awesome and playing smart. cards. Good for me. Tennis. Chicago police launched an intensive investigation. Rewards were offered for information. While Loeb went about his daily routine quietly— Leopold spoke freely to police and reporters, offering theories to any who would listen. He even told one detective, if I were to murder anybody, it would be just such a cocky little son of a bitch as Bobby Franks. Uh, Yeah. What? Okay. Okay. The police found a pair of eyeglasses near the body. Though common in prescription and frame, they were equipped with an unusual hinge mechanism purchased by only three rich-ass customers in Chicago. <laughs> One was Nathan Leopold. Rich-ass customers. <laughs> I, I don't know why I hate them so much. <laughs> I mean, they're murderers. It's, it's totally justified. When questioned, Leopold offered the possibility that his glasses might have dropped out of his pocket during a bird-watching trip. <laughs> <laughs> the two men, I mean, for being such smart dudes and thinking they're so good. Oh, yeah, I probably just dropped them looking for birds over that dead body. Lame excuse. The two men were summoned for formal questioning on May 29th. They asserted that on the night of the murder, they had picked up two women, Edna and May, totally 1920s names. Edna May? Edna and May <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> Using Leopold's car, then dropped them off sometime later near a golf course without learning their last names. Ooh. Their alibi was exposed <laughs> as a fabrication when Leopold's chauffeur told police that he was repairing Leopold's car that night while the men claimed to be using it. The chauffeur's wife later confirmed that the car was parked in the garage on the night of the murder. Bam. I mean, it seemed like they were like, oh, we thought of everything. No, you fucking no, didn't. You never You're do. You're stupid. You never do. You're dumb. Loeb confessed first. <laughs> he asserted that Leopold had planned everything and had killed Franks in the backseat of the car while he, Loeb, drove. Leopold's confession followed shortly after, but guess what? He insisted he was the driver and Loeb was the murderer. Of course. Of course. Their confessions otherwise corroborated most of the evidence in the case. Leopold later claimed um, in his book, he wrote a book. Good for him. He wrote many books, actually. That he pleaded in vain with Loeb to admit to killing Franks. Okay. It says. Uh, <laughs> the quote. I'm sorry. The quote. <laughs> it's so dumb. Mompsy feels less terrible than she might thinking you did it, he quotes Loeb as saying. And I'm not going to take that shred of comfort away from her. What <laughs> in the <laughs> world? It's like that. I don't think people talk like that in the 20s either. I no. don't buy it. I don't buy it for a second. These no. two are just stupid. <laughs> While most observers believe that Loeb did indeed strike the fatal blows, some circumstantial evidence, including testimony from an eyewitness, said that Loeb, dri- Loeb was driving and Leopold was in the back seat minutes before the kidnapping. So that suggested that Leopold could have been the killer. <clears throat> Both admitted that they were driven by the thrill of the kill and their ubermensch delusions and their aspiration to commit a perfect crime. 
Leopold at least considered the incident an intellectual exercise. The killing was an experiment, he told his attorney. It is just as easy to justify such a death as it is to justify an entomologist killing a beetle on a pen. What? They are so full of themselves. I hate it. I hate it. That's what what, I mean. Like, they could have not killed someone and I'd hate them just as much. Yeah. Yeah. I feel that. Okay, good. Their trial was held at Chicago's courthouse place and became a media spectacle. Guess what it was called? What? The trial of the century. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Was it? It's like one of three already. It was the crime of the the century and the trial of the century. Which is totally stupid because here, you'll find out why. Um, Loeb's family (laughs) hired Clarence Darrow, one of the most renowned criminal defense lawyers in the country, and a staunch opponent of capital punishment. At a rumored fee of $1 million, he was actually paid $70,000, but $1 million sounds way fancier and cooler and like, oh, my God. Yeah. Um, while it was generally assumed that the men's defense would be based on a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity, Darrow concluded that a jury trial would almost certainly end in conviction and the death penalty. So he elected for them to enter a plea of guilty, hoping to convince them um, to get life in prison instead of, yeah, you know, the death penalty. So the trial of the century, they entered fucking guilty pleas. So, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's so... Okay. <laughs> it wasn't a big, like, <gasps> gasp because they were like, yeah, we did it. That's so it wasn't a, a trial big... Tra- of a century? It was not a trial of a century. It was the confession of the... 20s. You know how much happened in the <laughs> 70s and 80s? Right? <laughs> God. Oh, anyway. <clears throat> I mean, I guess it could have been the trial of the century in 1920. They said it had only been had 20 years. Like the third or something that had been <laughs> called the trial of the century so far. I don't know. It, was, it just tickled me. But, Everything yeah. was like they were so wealthy and self-important and yeah. it was just silly. The trial, technically a sentencing hearing because of the entry of guilty pleas, ran for 32 days. The state's attorney presented over 100 witnesses documenting details of the crime. The defense presented extensive psychiatric testimony in an effort to establish um, mitigating circumstances, including childhood neglect, in the form of absent parenting. I'm sure they had nannies. Yeah. And in Leopold's case, sexual abuse by a nanny. They also argued that Loeb and not Leopold was primarily <laughs> responsible for the crime. I'm so sorry. Someone died, and I can't stop laughing. Dominating and leading an infatuated Leopold in a kind of master-slave relationship. <clears throat> uh. Ooh. The judge gave his decision. Oh, the judge who gave his decision was based on precedent and the youth of the accused. So after 12 days on September 10th, 1924, he sentenced both men to life for the murder and an additional 99 years for the kidnapping. Okay. Leopold and Loeb were initially held at Joliet Prison, and although they were kept apart as much as possible, the two managed to maintain their friendship. Leopold was later transferred to Stateville. (laughs) That sounds fake. Penitentiary, and Loeb was eventually transferred there as well. Once reunited... (laughs) I'm so sorry. She just rolled her eyes so hard. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, they didn't try to keep them apart too hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Anyway. (laughs) Once reunited, the two expanded the current prison school system, adding a high school and junior college curriculum. Thanks, (sighs) thanks, guys. Initially, 
Both men were receiving money from their wealthy families, but this was later cut to $5 per week. The money was used to purchase goods such as cigarettes from the prison store. Other prisoners were not aware that Leopold and Loeb were no longer receiving large amounts of money. Mm -hmm. And they were both seen as rich snobs. Imagine that. Which (laughs) made them targets for other prisoners. One day in the prison yard, Leopold was threatened at knife point for money. After trying to explain that he didn't have any, he was saved when Loeb and some of his other friends intervened. (sighs) The allowance cut had also caused problems for Loeb. Some of Loeb's money went to a former cellmate of his, James Day, as a bribe not to hurt him. Hmm. Uh, After the money was cut, there were several accounts of abuse and threats, and Day was moved away from Loeb. There was also some talk about, um, like, pay me and I won't rape you kind of stuff. Yeah. On January 28th, 1936, Loeb was—why did I put later? Anyway— he was got by day with a straight razor in the shower room. He was taken directly to the prison hospital where doctors tried to save his life. Leopold went to the hospital to find his friend barely conscious and slashed all over. Leopold offered to have his blood tested for a transfusion but was denied by the doctors who knew there was no hope. Loeb's last words to Leopold were, I think I'm going to make it. Nope. <laughs> Leopold then washed his friend's body as an act of affection. All right. They're close. What in the world? They've stayed close. They're you and uh, Danielle close. Yeah. Yeah. Leopold dedicated much time to rehabilitate the name of Loeb, who had died uh, an infamous child killer uh and a named sexual predator. There were some, like, uh, stories, basically, like old stories, because he was 18 years old. Yeah. um, But nothing really, nothing in courts. It was just rumor. Yeah. Leopold composed books for the prison school. On the cover of these books, he wrote some Latin thing that said, By reason, however, we are set free. Okay. Although Leopold continued with his work in prison after Loeb's death, he suffered from depression, reportedly screaming for hours in his cell before being moved to the prison psychologists. This was meant to help him, but according to Leopold, it was a punishment because uh, James Day was also among the patients. So he was there with his murderer. Yeah. Leopold became a model prisoner. He reportedly mastered 12 languages in addition to the 15 he already spoke. So nuh-uh, fine. Nuh-uh, nuh-uh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, shit. <clears throat> I'm sorry. 28 languages? No. 27. 27 languages. Bullshit. I love you. Oh, I'm God. calling bullshit on that one. Yeah, he's probably just a fucking liar. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm so I can't even name 27 languages. I know. I was like, man. At first I was like, dang, 12 languages is, how many, is there 12 languages? And then they were like, in addition to the 15 he already spoke, I was like, fuck. Bullshit. Bullshit. And made multiple significant contributions to improving conditions at Stateville Penitentiary. These included reorganizing the prison library revamping the schooling system and teaching its students and volunteer work in the prison hospital. In 1944, Leopold volunteered for the Stateville Penitentiary Malaria Study. He was deliberately inoculated with malaria pathogens and then subjected to multiple experimental malaria treatments. So just an all-around good guy. Yeah, great. Awesome. (laughs) An ubermensch, if you will. After 33 years and numerous successful parole petitions, Leopold was released in 
March of 1958. Okay. In April, he attempted to set up the Leopold Foundation to be funded by royalties from Life Plus 99 Years, which was his autobiography, to aid emotionally disturbed, the R-word, or delinquent youths. The state of Illinois voided his charter, however, on grounds that it violated the terms of his parole. Leopold moved to Puerto Rico to avoid media attention and married a widowed florist. Interesting. Do is I someone helping him? Yeah, who is All right. Awesome. Um, I resonate with the uh, organizing the library thing. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> oh, I do that. Of course you do. <laughs> I feel that one. Oh, my gosh. All right. The Franks murder has inspired works of film, theater, and fiction, including the 1929 play Rope by Patrick Hamilton, um, and Alfred Hitchcock's film of the same name in 1948. Oh. A fictionalized version of the events formed the basis of a 1956 novel called Compulsion and its 1959 film adaptation. Um, and then there was one uh, one that I knew. Where is it? Murder by Numbers in 2002. Did you see that? Sandra Bullock's in it. I don't think I've seen it, but I've heard I lo- it. Same thing. It sparks a... Yeah, an ocean. Like I feel like if you saw the cover for it, (laughs) you would totally know. Probably. Um, The CW television series Riverdale features (gasps) a juvenile detention center in its third season, named after the notorious murderers. Dude, I'm not on the third season yet, but dude, did you like that? I like that. I like Riverdale. Most people don't like Riverdale. I haven't. I Amelia told me to try it. She told me to start it. Yeah, yeah. So that's Leopold and Loeb, and I. I have heard that those two names together a whole bunch and yeah. never really knew their story. Yeah. But I then liked when that I that story. Yeah, it was that pretty was good. good. When I um I definitely remember Murder by Numbers. I think there there was like 2002 I would have been like young 20s. Yeah. Like 21 or something. Yeah. So, uh, I think there were like 20-year-old men in it. And that's probably why I watched it a lot. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> That's and Sandy B. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was remembering a couple things while you were telling that story that have Mm -hmm. nothing to do with this, but we got to talk about it. Okay, good. Um, When I was homesick yesterday, Mm -hmm. I watched some Netflix movies, Mm -hmm. and I watched To All the Boys I've Loved Before, which was, like, real popular a couple months ago. Okay. And I watched, I don't remember the name of it, something about 17... Hate 17, I don't remember, but Haley Steinfeld's in it. Oh, okay. And it was just, it made me laugh because I enjoy such, like, young adult teenager movies. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it's <laughs> and real I bad. And I get so into it, like, high school movies. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, I love it so much. But that's what I did yesterday. And then the past, like, week, mm-hmm. I've been on a Ghost Hunters Kick. Like, all I wanted to do was watch Ghost Hunters, but Ghost Hunters isn't anywhere. It's not on, like, Amazon Prime or Netflix or anything. Really? I found season 11 on YouTube. Nice. All the other seasons you have to pay for. Boo. Which is stupid. Hate so it. So we watched season 11, and in season 11, they go to Crown Point, where my mother lives, ah! the old jail there, which I now know where it is, so I'm going to drive past it on my way there today. Mm. And I was like... Will it be dark when you go past? No. Fuck. I texted her and I was like, Mom! <laughs> they were, I said Ghost Hunters was in Crown Point and you didn't tell me? I'm so angry. And she goes, how was I supposed to know? <laughs> I was like, I don't know, but I'm mad at you now. Be mad. Yeah. Okay. 
Do you believe in ghosts? Uh, oh my God, you believe in ghosts? I'm open to the idea of it. I mean, I can't say like, oh yeah, I believe in them because I've, right. I've never personally experienced it. <laughs> if you saw a ghost, you wouldn't be shocked. If I saw a ghost, I'd be like, oh, okay. You'd be like, that makes sense. I knew it. Yeah. Yeah. That's adorable. I love that. I'm open to it. All right. I want to go ghost hunting and see a ghost. I'm scared of everything, but I'm like a jump scare person. I definitely don't think there's ghosts. Yeah. Or like spirits or anything. Yeah. But I'm just. Like, I, like I don't. Like, I'm like. Ugh. Right. But I'm also like. Ugh. Could be. Could be. You never know. Because I've, ne- I've never experienced it. I Okay, so I say I don't believe in ghosts, but I love hearing about other people tell me. Yeah. 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 And I know, like, that whole ghost, like, the whole ghost hunter, like, ghost shows, ghost footage, whatever. Mm-hmm. A lot of it can be, like, disproven and fabricated. But there mm-hmm. are some things that I've seen in that series that I'm like, how in the world? How? I have a ghost story. You have a ghost story? Okay, so when I was little, I would stay with my grandparents. Yeah. And until I was, like, 10, I would sleep in the middle of them in yeah. their bed. yeah. I used to do that um, with my grandparents. Yeah, and my papa would be on one side, and my mom would be on the other, and we'd fall asleep every night um, watching some CMT, like, country music game show thing. I can't yeah. remember what it was now. But anyway, um, <clears throat> I overheard my mom and my grandma talking. My grandma was super upset, and she was at my kitchen table, and they thought everybody was asleep still. Uh-huh. That her uncle, who they called Tubby, uh-huh. and had died, I don't know, like— not long before, three-ish years before maybe this incident, um, had – he was a terrible person and was, like, abusive and, and had abused my grandma and whatnot. So she was, like, telling my mom that um, she thought that he was haunting her because he had just passed. Okay. And um, before he passed, I guess she had gone in – and just, like, unloaded and told him how awful he was, and then he passed away. Oh, no. Yeah, like, she was like, you, you know, you ruined my childhood and whatnot. Like, just let it out. Yeah. Got it off her chest. He died within, like, 24 hours, whatever. Oh, my gosh. But I was, like, nine-ish years old, and I overheard her say that she kept seeing him, his ghost or whatever, in the doorway to the bedroom that Uh I would sleep in when they were there. Yeah. Um... More than once, I had woken up and thought I saw an older man standing in the doorway, and I never said anything because I was, like, a wild kid. I had wild dreams as a kid. Like, I always just had weird dreams. I also, though, thought I saw Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers playing um, on the ceiling once. So I was a weird kid with weird dreams. I love it so much. But this one totally corroborated her. She's like, no, I always see him standing in my bedroom doorway. Yeah. And I, twice, twice I saw an older Ooh. man. And I don't know what he looks like or anything. And yeah. I never, I mean, I was never around that guy. But, um, yeah. Dang. Yeah. That's really cool. But I don't, I think I was probably just insane. If you go ghost hunting, anybody, invite me. Okay. Because I'm, I'm coming. We'll go to that house in Mitchell and see. <sighs> we'll lay down in the bed. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure everything's the same. <laughs> Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers will pop up on the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, like, into it. We went for my, what oh fuck was it, my 16th birthday? Mm-hmm. Go. Sweet 16. S- 
Maybe it was my 18th birthday. How goth would that be? Birthday. Go ghost hunting on your sweet 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it, maybe it, was it my sixth? No. Oh my God. No, it was like my 17th or 18th birthday. We went, because there's a couple quote unquote haunted spots in Niles. Uh-huh. There's like three haunted spots in Niles and we went to a, we got scared, we got scared by a group of bats. There were a bunch of bats on, at one scary. of them. It scared the shit out of us. And then the other, the other one, and it's not. I don't think anything happened. It's just, it's just a weird coincidence. That's how I feel about. Is my all story, it is. Yeah. But there's a old Indian burial ground. Oh my god! And it was right down the street from my grandparents' mm-hmm. house. There's four haunted places. This is a different, completely different story. We didn't go to this place. But oh my god, I love you. This there's this Indian burial ground, and you have to like go up a hill, and, and there's like a. A cross, like a big wood cross, and mm-hmm. I don't, I don't remember the entire story behind it. But we went and we just kind of hung out there, and then we left. And then the next day, we were hanging out again, and we were driving, and the road was closed <gasps> down towards that. Like the the sides were up. There was uh-huh. a police officer sitting there, like to make sure nobody right. tra- like went past or whatever. And the road was closed, and we were like. It was literally the next day, and we we're like, oh, my gosh. Obviously, I mean, obviously, I think it had rained, so it was probably just flooded or something, you know? Right. But it was like, oh, <laughs> it's just like a weird coincidence. The other thing that just came to mind was there's a residential house that is just down the street from my grandparents' old house. Mm-hmm. It's like just down the street and across the street. It's called the Beeson Mansion, for those of you who are familiar with the area. Probably mm-hmm. none of you, but that's fine. And rumor is... It's this old house, mansion-like house, and it's, like, that old, like, colonial style mm-hmm. where it's got the pillars in the front and all that. Yeah. And there's there's people that live there, so if you're going to Niles or you're going around, like, don't—they don't like it if people hang out. Like, okay. Like, they, like, creep around. Okay. Um, but— Don't do it. Don't do it. There's rumors that— there's a tunnel that leads under the house that was used in the Underground Railroad. Okay. There's a tunnel that goes under the house to the cemetery that's across the street. Mm-hmm. And rumor is that a the lady, there was a lady that lived there. She lost her infant child. And you can hear her in the mausoleum that the tunnel is connected mm-hmm. to crying and wailing because for her right. baby. That's, I don't like that. Yeah. I've never experienced that. I don't want to experience it because that would freak me the fuck out. It made out. my hair stand up a little bit. I know. Bit. <laughs> but that's like, but that's the story. But I don't believe story. in ghosts. Yeah, that's the story. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So, <clears throat> I, I'm 100% down to go ghost hunting as long as somebody will hold my hand. Oh, my gosh. I'll hold your and hand. Until I get over it. Like, I think that at some point, mm-hmm. once I get comfortable with my surroundings, I'd be okay. But... Somebody would have to be with me at all times. I'm not doing it alone. Yeah, no. 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 Like these people at Ghost Hunters, they go into these dark-ass rooms all Dumb. by themselves. No, thank you. I just saw somebody go by on a motorcycle. Why? I don't know. With the wind chill, it's like 11 degrees. Cold. It's, it's cold. It's cold. Stupid. Go home. Cold. Put on your blanket. Okay. <clears throat> anyway. So this one was actually... Sent to us by a listener. Who? <gasps> Her name's Amanda. Thank you, Amanda. This was sent in by Amanda, and I want to read what she wrote. So she sent this link to our Facebook page. Okay. And said, it would be awesome if you could cover this case that happened in my hometown. Um, the girl that we're talking about, her mom babysat me and my brothers when we were little. Um, 
And then she went on to tell a little bit more about the case. But mm. so she like knew the mom of the this family. I love that. So Oh my god, Amanda, yes. It was the end of January in Crothersville, Indiana. It was Tuesday, January twenty fifth, two thousand five, and ten year old Caitlin Coleman was home from school. <gasps> do you know this? I think I know this. You story. probably do. Okay, because I'm yeah. Um, 10-year-old Caitlin Coleman was home from school when her mom asked her to go pick up some toilet paper from the Dollar General down the street. Mm-hmm. She didn't want to. It was cold outside, obviously, end of January in southern Indiana. Boo. Um, but she's a good kid, tried to do what her mom asked of her, so she put on her coat and headed towards the store. But this was the last time her parents would see her alive. Oh, my God. Be- imagine being that mom. I Yeah. Ugh. Uh, Katie's parents soon reported her missing. A witness came forward claiming that they saw her get into a white pickup truck, and before long, an Amber Alert was issued for the area. A search team made of police, family members, friends, neighbors, and volunteers took to the streets to find the missing Katie. Five days later, a group of police investigators discovered something floating in a creek, not Mm. even 15 miles from the Coleman home. The lifeless body had begun to... The lifeless body had begun to decompose, but investigators were... were able to identify the girl to be 10-year-old Katie Coleman. She had been murdered, and there was evidence pointing to a sexual assault. Before the police could launch a proper investigation, 20-year-old Charles James Hickman came forward and confessed that he and another man had abducted Katie as she walked home that day because she had witnessed him taking part in in an illegal drug transaction. Okay, how? She was 10? She was 10. Okay. Uh, Hickman's friend, 22-year-old Timothy C. O'Sullivan, was supposedly with Hickman when he abducted Katie, and it was assumed that O'Sullivan took part in her abuse. They claimed that they claimed that they took Katie to a creek about 20 miles away, tied her hands, and she fell into the creek drowning. But Hickman's admission was false. A few weeks after their arrest, he told police that he lied, so the police combed the area where they found Katie's body, and they found a cigarette butt. Uh, they ran DNA off of the cigarette butt to DNA that they had retrieved from Katie's body, and they got a match. Mm. The DNA didn't match Hickman or O'Sullivan, but it matched a 38-year-old Seymour man. <gasps> oh, let me restart that. Okay. <laughs> but to a 38-year-old Seymour man named Anthony Ray Stockelman. Yes, I know. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> He had apparently been visiting his mother in Crothersville on the day that Katie disappeared. In addition, he also drove a white pickup truck. The New York Times wrote in an article that fibers from Katie's body matched the carpet from his mother's home. Mm. But we know fibers aren't anything now. Anyway. Fibers go everywhere all the time. Fiber. Right there. <laughs> Hickman was found guilty of misleading an investigation, possession of illegal substances, and a couple months later returned to jail on separate charges of child molestation for having a sexual relationship for a thir- with a 13-year-old Gross. girl. Um. As for Stockelman, Katie's killer, in exchange for the death penalty to be removed, he pled guilty to life imprisonment. He was sent to Wabash Valley Correctional Facility. So, Katie's Mm -hmm. cousin, 22-year-old Jared Harris, was in prison at the Wabash Valley Correctional Facility for burglary. Mm -hmm. And he was in the same wing as Stockelman. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Harris threatened Stockelman multiple times, and soon after, he took his chance to slip into Stockelman's cell. He hid, and then when Stockelman returned to his cell, Harris locked the door before the cellmate could enter. Harris strangled Stockelman, telling him, I'm either going to stick you and leave you bleeding, or I'm going to tattoo you. Mm-hmm. 
Harris was holding a tattoo gun that he managed to keep from the guards. Stockelman obviously chose the tattoo. Mm-hmm. And when Harris was done, Stockelman had the words Katie's Revenge tattooed permanently across his forehead. Yeah. I remember seeing something about this story before I actually, like, mm-hmm. did this. Just because just because that, like, that. Everybody's like, seen that picture. Yeah. <clears throat> After giving, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm eating a turkey sandwich. <laughs> you might eat your turkey sandwich. Um, after giving the tattoo, Harris ditched the tattoo gun in a trash can and left. When Stockelman's cellmate returned, he found him on the floor bleeding and crying. Harris was questioned about it but felt no guilt and told investigators that he'd chosen that moment to attack because he was scheduled to move to a new prison level later that day. And it was his only chance. He Opportunity, was, baby. Yeah, seriously. Gotta take it. He was charged with battery. Since the attack, Stockelman has remained in a private cell. A medical practitioner has since agreed to remove the tattoo free of charge and treatments had begun, but there was no telling whether or not a complete removal would happen. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like if you're, I don't know. Um, It's fine. He deserved it. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. Tattoo his whole body. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. If you disagree at me, it's fine. (laughs) There is a website that I wanted to mention called Freedom for Tony, where Stockelman maintains his innocence in the case. Sorry, I'm just snotty as all good. It's okay. You're like sniffly, and I'm like chomping. We are (laughs) the most attractive episode. Um, But he maintains his innocence. I'm not going into detail because you could Google it because I've got my opinion. They got a DNA match. So, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Katie's relatives and her friends have raised over, this was, I think this was as of, like, 2005, so obviously this number could be completely different, but Katie's relatives and friends have raised over $50,000 for a park in Katie's memory that her elementary school classmates designed. The townspeople built it, um, and they planned to build it before her August 13th birthday that year. So that's so sweet. Um, Eddie Hodge is a computer repair shop owner in Crothersville. He sold over 2,000 shirts with Katie's photograph to people in four states. He told New York Times that even if the meth theory with Hickman had no merit, um, even if the meth theory with Hickman had no merit, the murder of Katie shined light onto the drug problem in town, adding that it's, quote, just a shame a little girl had to die to bring it to light. I agree. Yeah. So that is the death of Caitlin Coleman. Amanda, thank you for bringing that to our attention because yes. I was, hope I got it right. Could you see me like, like recognizing parts of your story? As you, yeah. I was like, oh, it's this one. I know it. Yeah, 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 yeah. So thanks, Amanda, for sending that to us. I'm glad we were, I was able to do it. Hopefully, I did okay. Right. <laughs> sorry yeah. if I sorry if I fucked up. <laughs> oh, gosh. But oh man, if you want to send us recommendations, you can shoot us a message on Facebook, Instagram, or email us. It's off air with EP everywhere. Um, that's our website too. And I love that. I have to give us a, a little shout out. Yeah. To Sirius. Yeah. He might be our youngest listener <gasps> at eight years old. No. Yeah. I know. I feel kind of bad. Uh. Um. But he likes to uh, he likes to say off air with Emily and Patra. Yes. <laughs> so I love that. Oh, <laughs> cutest thing. Oh goodness. I want a recording of it. Okay, I'll do that. <sighs> Whoa. Yeah. It's been a week. It has been a week. Yeah. Dude. And I've only been here four days out of the five. Yeah, Mentally, but, only like two days out but, of the five. 
But the two days that you were here, you had to put in like five days worth of work. So <sighs> it doesn't even matter. Seriously. Yeah. So stupid. Dumb. Dumb. <laughs> Dumb. <laughs> <laughs> oh man <clears throat> yes get that flip out girl let's do this okay so please send us more stories because I love that yeah it yeah. was awesome it was really cool yeah I feel like there's something else I was gonna say I don't remember we have a review on iTunes that's what I was gonna say oh my god up. somebody reviewed us on iTunes which is it just I don't understand why I just get so excited about this stuff but um, I, I do. do I get excited when I see Stitcher pop up and tell me a new episode of Off Air with Emily and Patra is downloaded, I'm like, oh my God, that's me. We have two reviews. What? Okay, Amanda actually left this review. Um, and it says, it's like hanging out with friends. They're so funny and so down to earth, loving this and definitely loving how they cover local cases. I died when Patra brought up the lady in Seymour. Uh, <laughs> my favorite episode although it's absolutely horrible was the new baker case keep it up ladies yay Thanks, Amanda. oh my god i, love I don't know who this person is but their subject was making true crime fun again uh says their banter is light and funny and midwestern and then they hit you with some deep dark true crime <laughs> perfect combo for people who love true crime and also love two funny ladies going on tangents oh i, love I don't that. go on tangents what are you we talking might, about ghost might. hunter i love the midwest we are so midwestern <laughs> oh my god yeah so leave us a <laughs> review on itunes um i mean really anywhere mm-hmm. um it's Please. just fun i don't know it's cool so to know excited. that we're all like, I don't know. Getting, I love it. Getting it. Getting it. Getting it. Yeah. Uh. I love the reviews. That's exciting. Yeah, that was really cute. I, I it. didn't see that. I only saw Amanda's yesterday when I was looking. But Sweet. Okay. <sighs> all right. Sorry uh, mine was so long today. No, don't be sorry because mine was extra short. Mine was only not even a full two pages. So Yeah. Well, it, was it seems short. like when it's. The local ones, we have a lot of trouble getting some info on it. Yeah. You really got to go research yeah. and kind of get stuff that you're not sure is 100% true. So that's touchy. But yeah. Yeah. And I feel like with local ones, we want to make sure that we're on as spot on as yeah. we could be. Because because what if someone's like, hey, I live across the street and you said something wrong. I'm like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no. um, so we'll have another episode for you. Thursday for Valentine's Day. Yeah. Happy Valentine's Day. We love you. And because sorry we, we forgot, you. actually. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, have a good Valentine's Day. We'll talk to you on Thursday. And yeah. Deuces. Bye. <laughs>